You're listening to Day to Day on X106. Hello and welcome to Day to Day 203 here in Maryville, Missouri. Andrew Botwinick alongside Jenny James here. And there's a lot that happened this week in Maryville hosting the Central Region National Division II tournament uh, for the men's team. Northwest being the overall one seed in this region. There's a lot of stuff that comes with that. And there was a lot of action this weekend, Jenny. To say I the know. least. That, that, those first couple of rounds on Saturday were crazy in session one. Um, it was just really exciting to see very competitive games. Um, you could just tell that all the teams there were there to fight and like they weren't ready to um, have their season end. So it was a really exciting um, weekend for sure, especially for Northwest. But all of the teams really, there wasn't one team that I felt like really didn't deserve you know, to be there. They all really put up a good fight. So. Yeah, and that's something Jacob Blair and Kramer Sansone and I were all talking about during our games when we called them, is that the seeding for this tournament honestly could have gone any way. I think the only lock would have been Northwest at number one. Everybody else was kind of a jumble, everybody trying to scramble and say, well, maybe this team deserves to be the two seed, maybe this team deserves to be a three seed. And the way that it shaped up, and we'll get into that here in a minute, it was anybody's game from the get-go, and there was a yeah. lot of teams that were very, very competitive. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like I said, session one Saturday, the, those were the two games I think made it to the 100s, and one of them I think went to overtime, and it was just insane. And it was just such a competitive weekend. So it was, like you said, it could have been anybody's um, anybody's game. Anybody could have made it to the championship. And it's just, it was really exciting and just really cool because. Sometimes you'll get a game where you know somebody gets completely blown out, but there really wasn't um, there wasn't a game like that. I think most of them were pretty competitive and pretty close. Yeah, and we'll go ahead and start here in the central region with the first game that happened over the weekend. The number three seed in the region, Washburn, taking on the MIAA rival, the six seeded Missouri Southern, and it was Missouri Southern who ended up getting the win, 101 to 100. Like what Jenny was saying, both of these first couple of games were were 100 point games and. And for the majority of the game, it was Missouri Southern in the lead. They were up 20 points with 12 minutes left to go. And and Cam Martin, their, their leading scorer for this Lions-Missouri Southern team, fouls out with five, with five fouls with about six, seven minutes left. And you see Washburn start to make a comeback late mm-hmm. in that game. Martin had an amazing game that day. I don't know what his percentage was from the three, but it was insane. Uh, he just kept dropping threes and threes and threes. And so um, having him on was definitely a reason why they were up by 20. You know, at one point, obviously, they blew that lead because they only won by one point. But um, Washburn, that is not what I was expecting. I was expecting Washburn to come out and I wouldn't say blow away Missouri Southern, but I definitely thought Washburn was going to win that game. But that was not the case. Uh, Missouri Southern came out very hot. And like I said, uh, Cam Martin just totally went off. Um, I don't know how many points he had, but he had a lot. (laughs) Yeah, and Washburn being the second team in the MIAA conference behind Northwest and Missouri Southern right behind them as well. So you get a packed central region with three MIAA teams. That's stacking that that side of the bracket for sure. Yeah, and I think it's crazy that it's going to be two MIAA teams in the championship. It just shows you really how competitive uh, the MIAA conference is. Yeah, and to to go back to the regular season of the MIAA, this Missouri-Southern-Washburn matchup, Missouri-Southern won during the regular season. They beat Washburn. Um, I believe it was a, a not even a close game. I think it was a 20-point game. But here in, in this rematch in the central region bracket, Missouri Southern wins 101-100. to 100. Cam Martin 
Your leading scorer for both teams, 46 points. Wow. He had 16 of 21, shooting 9 for 10 from downtown. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. I knew it was crazy. I knew it was crazy. Because I remember watching, and I was like, this this guy is just totally going off. So, it's a Missouri Southern's a very scary team if he's doing that. <laughs> yeah, and Cam Martin definitely shot the ball, but it was also Elijah Clark, too. Mm-hmm. He had 28 points for himself, 9 of 18 shooting, um, 8 of 17 from deep. So, not nearly as well as Cam Martin, but that's yeah. impressive yeah, to do no, still. It is. 8 of 17. And then on the Ichabod side for Washburn, Javion Blake, 24 points. Six rebounds, four assists for him. And Tyus Martin for Washburn, 22 points on 10 of 13 for shooting. Three rebounds as well. So Washburn was the first upset of the day, but we're just getting started in these games. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There was a a lot that happened this weekend. (laughs) And then then literally in the next game after that, we see the two-seed Northern State taking on the seven-seed Southeastern Oklahoma. And this one needed some extra time. It went into overtime. Um, Southeastern Oklahoma wins this one 115 to 103 after the overtime period. And once again, we see another 40 point performance in Kevin Buckingham 43 points, 15 of 20 for shooting, 5 of 6 from downtown. So, a very similar stat line to where Cam yeah. Martin did literally 10, 20 minutes before. Yeah, um, this completely blew me away. I was not expecting this at all, whatsoever. I mean, I hate to to be that person that was like that's judging somebody by like their team by the way they look. But you you look at this Oklahoma team and it was like this isn't even like a matchup, especially with Northern being you know making it to the national championship last year. Obviously didn't they didn't win, but they still made it. And so I was like, okay, this is not going to be even close. They still had Ian Smith, who last year in the region totally went off. Um, he was kind of quiet in this game. He. You know, had some really good assists. I think he had, I don't, I want to say maybe 15 points, if that. I just felt like he was really quiet, and um, that was really shocking to me. I was expecting a lot out of him, and I just didn't see it. And <laughs> Oklahoma just comes in and just shocks the nation. <laughs> it was crazy. It was crazy, but I loved it. <laughs> yeah, and for Southeastern Oklahoma, obviously we mentioned Kevin Buckingham earlier. Adam Dworsky as well, 32 points, 9 assists. And you look on that northern state side where the, the scoring throughout the entire season has been very well balanced. They almost had six players in double figures averaging for the season. All five of their starting five, minus Kalman, who was at nine points, scored into double digits. Ian Smith, like you said, 16 points, 10 assists. Played a big factor in that, but he had some foul trouble late down the stretch. And, and this is a game where at one point the biggest lead was 12 points for northern state with two minutes left. So with two minutes left, yeah. Southeastern Oklahoma comes back, ties it up, and they win by 12 in overtime. Yeah. yeah, it was those last two minutes, they really just turned on their jets and they didn't look back because I think what happened was there was like, I think Oklahoma hit like a three and then called a timeout. And then it was like after that timeout, they just totally took off running and then made it go into overtime. And it was just incredible to watch, honestly. It was fun because... Um, they were that team that you really wanted to root for because they were the underdogs. So it was it was just really exciting to watch them play. Yeah, and I went down to the press conference after this game because I wasn't on the call for it. So I went down there and sat in and asked a couple questions. And I was we were talking about um, what was going through southeastern Oklahoma State's head coach during the last two minutes, like right before everything started to go to their side. And and he's a great sense of humor. Yeah. He he looked at all the reporters right in the face and said, honestly, I was thinking if we had to check out of our hotel tonight or tomorrow. <laughs> So obviously he he was not ready to to mount that comeback, and it was led 
by Kevin Buckingham late down the stretch. Yeah. He hit a three uh, with about 15 <laughs> seconds left to tie it up. I feel like their coach is, was like a really low-key guy, but he was a very fundamental guy. Um, with like my job, I got I got to sit you know very close to the benches, so I get to hear what the coaches are saying. So um, it was really cool, just kind of listening to an old school type coach. I really think that's how he coaches. That's his style. Um, so, and I think that's why they made it so far is because you know it was to the book fundamentals that had them win over Northern. Mm-hmm. And definitely a players coach too. You can kind of see. It was the next up mentality kind of yeah. kind of role that he was playing. It was ride the hot hand, Kevin Buckingham, Adam Dworsky, and that happened throughout the rest of of the night as well and the next day as well. Yeah. So there was just a lot of stuff going on in that game. Yeah. Rebounding wise, it went towards Northern State side, thirty nine thirty six, but uh, Southeastern Oklahoma was able to get to the free throw line a lot more. They had eighteen of twenty four shooting from the line, whereas Northern State was just eight of eighteen, and and that comes back to get you a ten point swing in the terms of free throws late down the stretch. Yes, definitely. I think again, that's that's going back to the fundamentals. Um, free throws is such a, like an overlooked uh, part of the game. I think because that's a very crucial um, part of the game, in my opinion. So I think they they were a very disciplined team, and you can you could just very you could tell that they were very disciplined and, like I've said, very fundamentally. Yeah, and, and that was that for the first session. We saw, so we saw two games, both dip into 100 points apiece. So we saw over 400 points of total offense <laughs> in the first session, and, and everybody was starting to think, well, we just saw two of the greatest games possible. Yeah. And then this second half is possibly the revenge session because Northwest Missouri State, the home team of this region, hosting Minnesota State Mankato, a team that knocked them out prior the year before. And you also have St. Cloud Nazarene, where St. Cloud knocked out Southern Nazarene last year as well. So the first half yeah. was definitely more offensively sound. The second half of this first session was a lot more revenge-based, right. going after, getting after the teams that, that knocked you out last year. Yeah, and I think that was like another really cool thing to witness just because, like you said, these were both the teams that um, had gotten knocked out previous years. So yeah, it was revenge session. And um, Another couple of really good games. Um, obviously, the scores aren't as close and as high as the other two. But, um, you know, the Northwest Mankato game, to me, the score does not, like, show how really close it was. Because, yes, we Northwest pulled away at the end. But there were a couple moments in the first half where I was like, man, like, they're really going to challenge us here. Especially in, even in the next game, the St. Cloud Nazarene. Um, it was a lot closer too, but um, both both of those matchups, I felt like they were very competitive too. So obviously, yeah, um, revenge was always nice, but um, they are also very competitive too to watch. Yeah, and in that first uh, game of the second session, Northwest Missouri State wins against Minnesota State Mankato, ninety-one sixty-two. And let's see here for the box score of that game. I believe Joey Wittis was the leading scorer for Northwest. Yeah, he had 39 points, 7 rebounds. Next up was Diego Bernard with 20 points, 5 rebounds. Trevor Hudgens with 16. Ryan Hawkins with 10 and 6. So a lot of points spread here. Hudgens also had 9 assists in that game as well. So a very stacked stat line, you could say. And then for Minnesota State Mankato, it was led by Cameron Kirksey, who dipped into double digits. He has 22 points for that game on 7 to five, or seven to 15 shooting. Was you said Joey had thirty nine? Wasn't that his career high? I think that's what it said. I think I think 
they published an article that said that was his career high. I believe so. And he shot 11 of 11 from the free throw line, which is in itself amazing. Yeah. But every point of that helped yeah. this team. And I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure that was his career high, which the fact that it was against his old team, like you can't get a better storyline than that. That's just, yeah, I think he was definitely player of that game. He just totally went off, and he had himself a day. <laughs> yeah, and I, th- I think that that was something that Northwest wanted to do specifically yeah. is let the player that has been able to shine this entire season, let him go out against yeah. his old team and let him take. He ended with 21 shots, but I honestly feel like if he would have taken 30, 35, I don't think anybody would have cared. Hmm. No, I mean, it was just so awesome to watch because you could tell it was really um, irritating Mankato's coaching staff. You could just tell they're like, well, there he goes again, and there he goes again. So, um, you know, it was really good for Joey. And um, he just, to me, just seems like he just keeps getting better and better. And um, what I really have seen him grow this season is with his leadership and, like, the way he can um, just read their offense and help construct it because you know I a lot of the time you'll see him at the top of the key with Trevor trying to just figure out and get everybody in the right spot and just really run the offense and you really you don't see that a lot you know he's a center post player whatever I think he's actually listed as a forward but you know he's one of your bigger guys that's you're gonna feed him the ball under the basket a lot obviously also the (laughs) three-pointer but um I think that's something that speaks a lot about him. He's a very special player. You can use him in so many areas, and especially with his leadership skills that we I've seen, I mean, him grow a lot this year on that. Yeah, definitely being able to utilize a lot a lot of different facets of the game. I know down the stretch of the season, right before the MIAA tournament, we saw him posting up a lot more, yeah. getting the ball into the post and being able to do a lot more through the post than traditionally because he was normally a spot-up shooter. Right. Three-point range, you drive and dish. Right. Anything that you would need, Joey Wittes was able to do. And now now that he has a post game, yeah. that's just something else yeah. that teams are going to have to scout for. Yeah, I know. That's what I was saying. I was like, he's such a special player because um, Coach Mack is utilizing him in so many ways now. He's not just a three-point shooter or inside-the-paint shooter. He's both. So, um I think that definitely helps the Northwest offense is having players that can do just more than one thing. Yeah, and speaking of that Northwest offense, in the game against Minnesota State Mankato, that first half, deadly shooting for Northwest, 60% from the field, 60% from deep, 11 of 11 from the free throw line in that first half. The second half, they cooled off just a little bit, 50% from the field, uh, 2 of 8 from 3, so 25%, and then still 90% from the free throw line on 9 of 10. So they shot 95% as a team from the free throw line. They missed one free throw. Wow, that's that's pretty remarkable. Um, that's hard to do, especially this time of the year when, like we've said, it's very competitive. It's March. Everybody is going balls to the walls trying to make it as far as they can. So the fact that they're shooting 95%, that's that's pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah, and it was it was just something that we've seen every single game from this yeah. Northwest Missouri State team. They get to the free throw line. They shoot red hot from the get-go in, in the majority of these games. And it was no surprise for the majority of the fans that were here to yeah. see something like that. Yeah, and I think that speaks volumes about Coach Mack and the way he disciplines his teams and just the culture. You know, he's a big culture guy. So um, that is just really, yeah, it just speaks volumes about Coach Mack. And I, just have, I have nothing but respect for him. Yeah, and then the second game of the session here was the number four seed St. Cloud taking on the number five seed Southern Nazarene. And coming into this game, one of the bigger headlines was we saw Cam Martin have 46 points. We saw Kevin Buckingham 
have 43 points. We saw Joey Wittes with 39 points. And the player for St. Cloud that was poised to have another performance like that was Gage Davis, who's averaging 26 points, 7.5 rebounds, 5.5 steals, or not steals, 5.5 assists, rather. He's poised to have a game where he's matched, he's going to match what everybody else had supposedly done before him. It was going to be an, a great game, and the first half for Gage was not near mm-hmm. uh, the ability that he can play at. Mm-hmm. And I think that has a lot to do with um, Nazarene's defense because even in the Northwest game, which we'll get there, but um, they definitely they brought a ton of pressure on the defensive side. So um, I think that was a reason why uh, St. Cloud kind of struggled offensively. I think Southern Nazarene had a really tough defense. Yeah, and Southern Nazarene takes this one, 81-61. Gage Davis, who had five points at halftime on two of six for shooting, uh, was able to combat that in the second half. He ended with 25 points on 10 of 20 shooting. But it was Noah Starkey who led the Crimson Storm to victory here. A 31-point game from him, 13 of 18 shooting. He had nine rebounds. All six foot eleven frame of him had nine rebounds, five for five at the line. And Jonathan Dunn pitched in 17 points as well. Yeah, it's hard to guard a 6'11 guy under the basket <laughs> who knows how to post up. And, um, yeah, he's very good, very talented. And um, I just I don't know, like, what else to say because it was just he <laughs> was pretty amazing. And it was just so awesome to see how well he could post up anybody. Um, they just kept, you know, feeding him under the basket. So I think that, you know, obviously he's, that's their key offense right there is to get him the ball under the basket to post up. So, uh, yeah, he he was probably one of their best players. Yeah, and it was every single possession. I was on the call for this game as well uh, for KZLX. Every time that Southern Nazarene came down the court, he was posted up ready to go, yeah. switching from block to block, side to side, just following yeah. the ball. And anytime the guards needed an extra second to kind of recuperate, they'd dish it down into the post for yeah. Starkey. Yeah. And Starkey would do what he does and, and yeah. he had quite a bit of dunks in that game yeah he, had he a lot. did i mean must be pretty easy when you're 6 11 i can't relate but <laughs> <laughs> he definitely did <laughs> yeah and then so that game ended rebounding wise 40 for southern nazarene and just 23 for st cloud state so a 20 point swing for southern nazarene both of the teams that were dropped in the previous year to these teams came back with 20-plus point wins. So the revenge token was definitely something that we yeah. saw here in that for, in that second session. Yeah. I mean, you can't get better storylines. From session one, it's, you know, the competitive, uh, nobody wants to lose type of mentality. And then session two, it's the revenge teams came back and got it. So um, it's just really cool. And it's really, um, like I've said, it was exciting. So I think the first day of the tournament was a very, very good and shocking day. <laughs> yeah, shocking to say the least. A lot of upsets. And they're actually Northwest, the only seed that was favored to make it to the next round. We see a one and a five match between Northwest and Southern Nazarene and then a 7-6 matchup between Southeastern Oklahoma and Missouri Southern. And now we're going to get back into day two. So round two um, er, on Sunday with the seven seed Southeastern Oklahoma and the six seed Missouri Southern. And we see Missouri Southern take this one 92 to 83, but it was a lot closer than it seemed by that stat line. Oh, yeah, for sure. That that final score does not give it justice at all. Um, Oklahoma just totally... Um, was given Southern a run for their money, and uh, I think a lot. I think a lot of the reason why Missouri Southern did come away with the win was just having 
maybe more experience at this type of basketball. Um, I don't really know Oklahoma's um, history or, you know, how they've done in conference tournaments in the past or, re you know, if they've made it to a region tournament in the before. I don't know. I haven't looked that up. But I think Southern does have that kind of competitive edge, especially, like, in the, you know, postseason type of play. So I think that was a main reason why that they did come away with the win. Um, they they kind of know how to finish a game stronger, possibly. Um, so it was just, ugh, man, it was a heartbreaker for sure. Um, you could tell how bad Southeastern Oklahoma wanted that game. So uh, it was definitely, it was an exciting game um, for sure. I mean, even the Northwest fans, I felt like, were very into it because the Northwest fans showed up before the start of that came to get their spots. So they were there to watch it. But, uh, yeah, it was a definitely exciting game. But, unfortunately, again, this Northwest has to play another MIAA opponent in the regional championship. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's funny that you brought up the last time Southeastern Oklahoma made it into the um, tournament. We actually brought that up on the pregame in, in the studio here. And I think it was Austin McNorton that maybe possibly brought it up. This is the first time since 2007 wow. that Southeastern Oklahoma has been in a in a regional tournament game. Yeah. So it was very impressive to see them play. And I thought another thing that was kind of funny is that in the game before that on Saturday, Southeastern Oklahoma led a comeback to win the game. And Missouri Southern was holding off a comeback from Washburn. And then in Sunday, the roles were flipped. Right. Southeastern Oklahoma, 10 minutes into this game, was up 14. And Kevin yeah. Buckingham had almost 20 points. Yeah. No, they definitely came out very, very strong. And I was like, okay, wow. Like, definitely wasn't expecting that. And I just, you know, thought they would, they would run away with it. But like I said, Missouri Southern just had, you know, they have more experience, I feel like, when it comes to these very close competitive games because, I mean, we've seen that in the past years, the Northwest-Southern matchup. They, they have that experience of um, very close games and, you know, go, finishing a game because that's very important is it's not done until it says 0-0. Zero, zero. So I think that was Southeastern's main issue was just not being able to finish. Yeah, and the leading scorers for that game, Cam Martin, who struggled in the first half, Ended with the game high 34 on 13 of 24 shooting. He also had 18 rebounds. So he was able to get it done in a different category as well. Yeah. I think he I think he might have had a little bit of a chip on his shoulder because I think he wanted that MIAA player of the year and he didn't get it. So I think he definitely came into this tournament with a huge chip on his shoulder. He definitely wanted to prove something. Yeah. Kinzer Lambert finished with 25 points, 8 rebounds as well. Uh, four assists he was able to get that spark in the second half to kind of combat what southeastern oklahoma was able to do when they had the lead and missouri southern came knocking at the door kinzer lambert specifically had a dunk on the breakaway that just kind of mounted that comeback and for southeastern oklahoma kevin buckingham led the way with 33 points he also had eight rebounds four assists for them jaworski who had a great game the night before just 12 points shooting or 12 points five rebounds four assists so a more complete stat line, but not that 32-point that he had yeah. the game before. Yeah. As Buckingham, was he number 20? Okay. That, okay, yeah, that kid literally was, like, not human. He just, every time they would feed him the three, it just swish, swish. He was just so athletic. And I think there was, I think it was the second half, um, he made a defensive play. Like, I think he, like, dove and saved a ball um, that was going out of bounds that Southeastern had touched. So he, like, went and saved it. And it was just, like... It was one of those, like, it looked like Hawkins the day before when he dove out of bounds and saved that. And I was like, that was just, like, he's just so athletic. And mm -hmm. it was just crazy to watch. And also very exciting. And 
my heart just hurts for that team because you could just tell how bad they wanted it and unfortunately they came up a little short <laughs> it was definitely a team that the i guess the cinderella story of, yeah. the, of the region rather because they're the seventh seed but yeah. now it's missouri southern as the sixth seed making it all the way to the region final and we'll talk about the second game of that the northwest game taking on uh six foot eleven noah starkey and southern nazarene the five seed northwest wins this one 70 to 59 but it was a lot closer than a 70 yeah. to 59 game it was it really was um Nazarene definitely knew what was at stake because they played so hard. Um, their defense, like I mentioned earlier, um, their their defense was, was really hard against Northwest. You could definitely tell that they had been watching film because they a couple times would double-team Joey, and they definitely knew that he could shoot the three. They knew Hawkins and Welty could shoot the three, so they you could tell they were zoning in on those players. Um, obviously, I think, I think Trevor and Diego... Um, kind of had more opportunities, I felt like, to shoot the three and drive in the pink. I just kind of felt like they were really zoned in on Joey, obviously, and Hawkins. Those were the main two I felt like they were really focusing on. Yeah, and leading scorers for this game, and I don't know if you're going to believe this or not, but this was the first game of the entire Central region that didn't have a score in 30 points. Wow. Joey Wittes led the way with 29, so so one oh, point away, <laughs> one point away from being 30. But yeah. he led with 29 points, two rebounds. Uh, Hudgens had at the halftime he had six points, six rebounds, four assists, and it was looking like he was possibly going to get a triple double. He ended with 16 points, seven rebounds, four assists, and then Bernard with 10 points, six assi- or six rebounds. And then on the flip side, Southern Nazarene Noah Starkey, who had a 31 point performance the game before, comes back here, 16 points on six of seven for shooting. And Jonathan Dunn, 17 points on 7 of 16 shooting. And then Micah Spate rounding out their their leading scores with 16 points as well. Yeah, Starkey was definitely their um, threat under the basket like we talked about. He's just, he can post up so well. Um, he's a huge threat. And obviously he can throw down if he needs to. So, um, yeah, he was he was definitely, I think, their big one of their biggest threats. And um I felt like Joey handled, or I don't know who was guarding him. I think it was actually Hawkins that was guarding him for most of the game. <clears throat> I felt like he handled it pretty well. Um, Hawkins, I think, did get into a little bit of foul trouble, so they kept um, rotating in Tyler Doherty a little bit. And Tyler Tyler came in and just totally executed, did what he needed to do. So it was kind of exciting to see Tyler come in in a very crunch time situation, and he, you know, he executed well. Yeah, and that's something that Jacob and I were talking about before in pregame. We were saying if it comes down to it and Hawkins gets into foul trouble, do you put Welty on him even though there's an obvious weight yeah. disadvantage? Obviously, Starkey's going to be able to body him up a right. little bit better, but Welty has that, that mobility and that range. So I guess Doherty was the next man up, and I think if it would have came down to it, if Doherty would have gotten into foul trouble, we possibly see maybe Dre Starzl come in mm-hmm. as well. Maybe even, I don't, as much as I don't want to say it, maybe Joey Wittes even swing over as well. I could have seen them moving Joey over to him. Cause it's just because they are kind of, they have a similar body build, even though he's got a little bit more of a height advantage on Joey. But they do have some, you know similar body builds. But I thought Tyler handled that matchup pretty well. Yeah, I think he did too. Like you said, able to execute on defense especially. Didn't need a whole lot of offensive scoring, but Doherty able to do the little things that mattered. And for Southern Nazarene, it knocks them out at that 70-59 to score, but four of their five starters were in foul trouble. They each had four fouls apiece. Meanwhile, for Northwest, out of their starting five, Hawkins had three fouls. Welty had, or Hawkins had four fouls. Welty had three fouls, so not a lot of fouls there for Northwest. The total numbers, 22 fouls for Southern Nazarene. 
and just 14 fouls for Northwest. Yeah, you could definitely tell the crowd did not like that. Um, I don't know if you heard anything or noticed anything, but um, their crowd was a little intense and that time's very scary. So uh, definitely, um, I think, it, I mean, it's hard to be a ref in that situation. Um, you can't be consistent every time. You can't make the right calls every time. It's just that's just how it is. You know, they're gonna calls are gonna go both ways. So um, that's why it's hard to tell. Yeah, they had more, but it was just there's so many. That game was a very I felt like physical game, and there are just so many calls. They they could have gone either way. So you know, it, I guess it just is what it is. <laughs> yeah, and Northwest at the line shot 17 of 20, and Southern Nazarene just six of 10. So. 11 more points off of free throws. Yeah. Take 11 points off of that 70-59 score. It's 59-59. Right. Yeah. I mean, like I said, it was a very physical game. So um, at the end of the day, though, when you look at it, they were a very good team, and I think they definitely pushed Northwest to kind of figure out a new game plan. Um, Coach Mack definitely – like, there's, there's games where he does coach a lot, and there's games where maybe not so much, but – that was that was one of those games where he was engaged twenty four seven and you know coming up with a new game plan for trying to get around their defense. Yeah, exactly. And the next round, round so round three, the I believe Sweet Sixteen is Tuesday at seven. KZLX will have coverage of that as well as pregame coverage. I believe as early as I want to say five, maybe even four, possibly. Um, but that will be Northwest Missouri State, the one seed going up against the six seed Missouri Southern. So now that that's all being said, before we go and recap the rest of the Division Two, who would be your All Central Region starting five team? Do you have a, Do you have maybe oh, a roster? Just some of the some of the bigger players, maybe even. So starting five from all the teams. All the teams in the Central like a Region. Superstar team. Okay, so I'd go Joey Wittis. Number I don't know is was it Buckingham his last name? Mm-hmm. From, yeah, him. Um, Starkey. So I'm at three. Okay. Um, I don't know who I'd want at my point guard. I'd probably take Trevor. Yeah, I'd take Trevor. And then... Um, Cam Martin. That's that's exactly <laughs> how mine rounds out, yeah. too. I was, I was just wanting to see if maybe there'd be another guy on there that you wouldn't have, because obviously Starkey, 6'11", had 30 points in, in the first game, just dominant. Yeah. Cam Martin has got 80 points yeah. in two games. You can't not pick him. Right. Kevin Buckingham, very yeah. similar in that. A 6'6", six, six, yeah. six, six guard almost. Yeah. Joey Wittes, because it's Joey, Joey Wittes. Wittes. He's the NBA <laughs> player of the year. Yeah. He's, he's been phenomenal all season. And then at that point, you have to have someone that handles the ball. Right. And, and who other than Trevor Hudgens, right. who late in the game against, for the last game against for Northwest – was able to sink that three yeah. late in the yeah. game with less than a second on the shot clock. Just phenomenal. Yeah. I know. I was trying to compare Trevor to, like, you know, Southern's point guard and, you know, the rest of them. But it's just Trevor handles pressure so well. Um, I would trust him at the last second. Yeah, I think the only other guy that, that would have possibly been in consideration for is Adam Dworsky out yeah, of yeah. southeastern Oklahoma. He right. played great, but yeah. Trevor Hudgens has consistently played great throughout right. the entire season. Yeah, I definitely agree with you there. And before we take a break here, we're going to go ahead and recap some of what else is going on in Division II basketball for the tournament. In yesterday's games, Indiana-Pennsylvania, the second one seed, loses their game to Mercyhurst, 75-65. So Mercyhurst is going to be taking on West Liberty, the two seed out of that region, who won against Virginia State 
82 to 80. They will be playing tomorrow at 6. And then for our region, the central region, we already talked about it, Northwest taking on Missouri Southern tomorrow at 7. Or Tuesday at 7. That is tomorrow. <laughs> Tuesday at 7. And then St. Elsom, the one seed, taking on St. Thomas Aquinas. So a 1-6 matchup. And the game before that, the game that St. Thomas Aquinas won, was another 7-6 matchup. This one went into OT. St. Thomas Aquinas wins that one 86-83. In the bottom half of this, a one seed falls. Once again, Lewis loses to Southern Indiana 62-61. They will be taking on Bellarmine, who has been blowing through their bracket as the two seed. They, they won their first game by 20 points against Walsh, 81-61. And yesterday they won against Finlay, 74-59. So another great win for them. Point Luma or Point Loma taking on St. Martin's, the 1-3 matchup for that region. Going up to the top half of that, the one-seeded West Texas A&M taking on the two-seed St. Edwards, who won their game against number six-seed Lubbock Christian, 93-80. And in the top seed we have Queens, North Carolina, who had a little bit of a struggle against Catawba, the four-seed. It was a 93-96 game in favor of Queens. They will be taking on Augusta, who went into OT in their game against South Carolina Aiken. They won 93-89, so that'll be a good game to watch as well. And then for the last part of the region, we have Nova Southeastern, the one-seed, taking on the three-seeded Lynn, who won their game over Florida Southern, 88-78. So that is how the Sweet 16 kind of shapes up. So there have been some upsets, probably not as much as we're going to see in Division One, but there's been a lot of powerhouse schools that have been knocked out in this tournament. Yeah, uh, definitely, and I think that's just so exciting. You know, it's part of March is all these teams that are coming out and they just don't want their season to end just yet. So um, it's definitely exciting to see. And I wonder how many of those are going to be com- like conference opponent matchups or if it's just us, like our uh, matchup that's a conference opponent so yeah that is that'd be interesting, interesting. To, to see because again i just think that speaks volumes about the miaa i think it's a very powerhouse um stacked conference especially for basketball yeah there's a lot of good schools in there that maybe even got snubbed i know there's a couple teams in there that you can maybe make the argument for but definitely northwest missouri state washburn and missouri southern proved their worth here in this central region for sure we're going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be back going over Division One bracket as well because that came out yesterday as well. You're listening to Day to Day on KZLX X106. And we are back on Day to Day. Just went over the Division Two rest of the bracket, and we're going to take a look here. We're going to shift our focus to Division One basketball where we had our Sunday selection game. And now, finally, Jenny and I can kind of see the field of 68 <laughs> and, and make our final decisions on who's who's good, who's bad, and, and so on and then forth. Yeah, we don't have to sit and look at the AP poll anymore and get frustrated and be like, who, you know, who's going to make it? So that pressure's off. Now we can just... Now we can just roll with what they've got. <laughs> <laughs> and we've definitely got a couple of good matchups in here. We're going to go ahead and start with the first four in. We have, I believe, North Dakota State taking on NC Central for a 16 seed that's going to be playing Duke. We have the, fighting for an 11 seed. Belmont and Temple, the winner of that game tomorrow, will be playing Maryland. Let's see where the rest of these are. We have the for the fighting for the 16 seed, FDU taking on Prairie, I believe Prairie View, and going up against Gonzaga, the winner of that game. And then the final um, first four in is going to be Arizona State and St. John's fighting for an 11 seed going up against Buffalo in that first round. 
So we're going to go ahead and start with the East region and take it region by region, go over all seeds 1 through 16, um, unless there's a first four in them. We kind of just went over that. So we're going to start with the East with the overall one seed, number one, Duke, taking on, like I said, the winner of that NDS-NCC game for that 16 seed. We have the number eight seed, VCU, taking on number nine seed, UCF. Number five, Mississippi, Mississippi State, taking on number 12 seed, Liberty. Virginia Tech taking on St. Louis as the three-seed and four-seed matchup. Number six, Maryland, taking on the winner of that Belmont-Temple game for the 11-seed. Number three-seed, LSU versus number 14-seed out of the Ivy League, Yale. Number seven, Louisville, taking on number 10, Minnesota. And then rounding out the East region, number two, Michigan State, taking on number 15, Bradley. So, Jenny, now that looking at that East seed, or that East region, rather, um, Duke being the number one overall seed after winning the ACC tournament. Yeah, for sure. And I think... I think they do deserve a one seed after claiming the conference title. I think if they wouldn't have won the conference title and still gotten a one seed, I, I don't think I would agree with giving them a one seed. But since they did, you know, claim the title, I, I guess they deserve a one seed. But um, I really think there's a couple really good matchups um, in this East region. I really like the VCU-UCF matchup. I think that's going to be... Um, one to definitely watch out for. I think that'll be a great game as well. And then the next game after that, Mississippi State versus Liberty. Liberty's a good mid-major team, and that's one, if you're looking at 5-12 matchups, that's one that you have to have circled. And there's another one that we'll get into later here that is also one that's going to be circled as well. We'll get a nice scoring scoring duo matchup going head-to-head. And then is there anybody else in this uh, East region that could maybe get upset or has a good chance of making it super far? Um. I also like the Louisville-Minnesota matchup. Um, I think this could really go either way. I do think I like Louisville in this matchup, and I think I'll probably pick Louisville. But I think, I mean, I really think it could go either way. I think Minnesota could win, too. So I think that's going to be another one to watch out for. And as far as making it far, um, I think, obviously, Duke is going to make it probably to Final Four. Um, Probably Elite Eight for sure, but... I yeah, I mean, I would take them to the final four, even you know, possibly to the championship. That is if Zion is healthy. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> and then besides them, I do like Michigan State, and I like UCF. So I think those three, I think, are the the top three um, that I'm going to say to watch out for. I also think that if Temple beats Belmont and gets in. I think that Temple-Maryland game could be a good one where we could Mm -hmm. see possibly six-seeded Maryland uh, get upset here. Looking at the south region now, the opposite side, we have the one-seed Virginia taking on 16-seed Gardner-Webb. We have the eight-seed Ole Miss taking on the nine-seed Oklahoma. Five-seed Wisconsin taking on the 12-seed Oregon team that won the Pac-12 and got their automatic bid. Four-seed Kansas State taking on 13-seed UC Irvine. Six-seed Villanova taking on St. Mary's, who also stole a bid uh, from that WCC tournament. So the six-seed, 11-seed. Number three-seed Purdue taking on 14-seed Old Dominion. Number seven-seed Cincinnati taking on number 10-seed Iowa. And then rounding out the South region, two-seed Tennessee taking on 15-seed Colgate. I want to know how you feel about the Ole Miss-Oklahoma matchup. <laughs> if if this is a game, and this is their very few games where I, where I have this feeling towards if there was a way that I could just pick Virginia to win the winner and not even pick that game, I'd pick it. I don't think that that I picked Oklahoma in this one, but 
realistically, it doesn't matter because whoever wins this one's going to lose to Virginia in the next <laughs> yeah, round. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a very accurate. Um, yeah, I I think I'd also have to pick Oklahoma just because they beat Kansas. I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's a very um, I guess prestigious, I would say, um, outcome. And so, I mean, I haven't paid much attention to Ole Miss or what they have done or how they finished in the SEC. But, um, yeah, I think I, I'd like to see Oklahoma beat them. And then, obviously, like you said, Virginia is just going to sweep. So, <laughs> Yeah, I believe Ole Miss started out the season really hot and then kind of fizzled out towards the end. And they just been playing about average basketball. And I think another matchup, and it pains me to say this, but I think Oregon, Washington, or Oregon, Wisconsin could be a good one because Oregon's been playing red hot basketball. They won the Pac-12 conference against a, a number one seeded uh, Washington team who who was really good, and they were going to be the only Pac-12 team for a while to make it into the tournament. And Oregon steals that that automatic bid away from them. I think Oregon has a chance here against this struggling Wisconsin team. So Wisconsin Big Ten. I feel dumb asking that, but okay. So how did do you know how they finished in Big Ten? I believe they lost in the I want to say the second round, but I'll check real quick just to be sure. Michigan won the title, right? Uh, No, it was it was Purdue and Michigan State that shared the title in that one, and because. They beat Michigan at the very last okay. game. It was between yeah. Michigan and Michigan State. Yeah, okay. So Purdue and Michigan State shared the title. Mm-hmm. So then it would be Michigan behind, probably, I'm assuming, and then Wisconsin? Uh, yeah, it was. It finished out Purdue and Michigan State tied at 16-4 and four in the conference, Michigan at 15-5, and five, and then Wisconsin at 14-6 and six at 23-10 yeah. and 10 overall. Okay. That's the only thing that... When I look at that matchup, I'm like, well, Wisconsin is coming from a pretty tough conference, like when you look at it. And then Oregon, eh, not so much. But like you said, Oregon is, you know, on fire at the right time. So could be could be a good matchup. Yeah, and being on fire at the right time definitely helps come tournament time. I think another matchup, uh, not necessarily saying it'll be an upset, but I think Kansas State against UC Irvine should be a good game. UC Irvine, another one of those mid-major teams that has been playing some pretty good basketball i still have k-state winning this but it's going to be a lot closer than a lot of people expect i also like the next matchup villanova and st mary's didn't st mary's already beat nova um i'm not sure if st mary's beat nova but st mary's i'm, I'm actually the, thinking of somebody else maybe it's st st john's it was it might have been st john's it was, yeah i think it was one of those two i was gonna but, say it's not often that the wcc will be playing a team yeah from the big East. i didn't think it would yeah yeah i don't know i think nova though i think they could be upset easily in the first round i think so too especially at a six seed that kind of puts villanova at a vulnerable spot and st mary's not a team to push around they beat they beat gonzaga in the championship for the wcc so they stole a bid there and was able to punch their ticket into the to the first round of the tournament yeah i think i might pick st mary's over nova upset nation it's possible (laughs) it's possible and another matchup number seven seed cincinnati against number 10 seed iowa that's going to be a good game traditionally but it's not necessarily being played at a neutral site. This game's going to be in Columbus, Ohio, which definitely favors Cincinnati. Yeah, and I think I do like Cincinnati in this matchup. I think Iowa has definitely had their struggles this season. Um, not super consistent, so I think that's their, their issue this year. And Cincinnati, I think, has been on fire at the right time. And like we said, this is the time to be on fire right at the end of the season, and they have. So I think Cincinnati beats Iowa. I think so, too. Is there any team that, again, more like we did with the East region, that stands out to you that's maybe 
a three seed or a four seed that, that could make it past the next two rounds possibly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I do like Kansas State still. I think that they will make it probably to the Elite Eight, <clears throat> Sweet 16 for sure. And then uh, Tennessee. I think Tennessee is another team to definitely watch out for. Um, they definitely have their inconsistencies, but they've been, you know, mostly very consistent for most of the season. So um, I think that they can make it pretty far. And I definitely think coming off the SEC tournament where you lose by 20 to Auburn, I think that's going to be playing huge for Tennessee to kind of, they have that chip on their shoulder. Yeah, They're going to want to bounce sure. back. I think that the game against Colgate, although Colgate's a pretty decent mid-major team, I think Tennessee's going to win that game handily. Yeah, yeah, and I would like to see a Virginia-Tennessee matchup. I, I think, think that would, yeah. That'd be a good game. That would be something. Now, going on to the West region, we have Gonzaga as the one seed taking on the winner of FDU and PV in that first four in kind of scenario. We have the eight seed Syracuse taking on nine seed Baylor, five seeded Marquette taking on 12 seed Murray State, four seed Florida State taking on 13 seed Vermont, six seed Buffalo taking on the winner of ASU and St. John's, and Texas Tech, the three seed taking on Northern Kentucky. Number seven seed in Nevada taking on number 10 seed Florida and then rounding out the West region two seed Michigan taking on 15 seed Montana. Is there anybody in that West region that, that kind of strikes you as a game to maybe watch for? Um, I do like, I mean, the eight and nine games are always the really games that you want to watch out for. Cause just cause yeah, I mean, eight and nine, that's a, that's a tough seeding and tough matchup. So I think Syracuse Baylor would be a good one. Um, I do like the Marquette-Murray State matchup. I think Marquette is one of those teams that they've lost a couple games to teams that they probably shouldn't have. So I think Murray State could have an opportunity to upset them. Um, so I think that's that's one to, to watch out for, for sure. And then um, I do like Nevada and Florida. Um, I think that'll be a true test of Nevada, and I do think Nevada will, would come away with the win. Yeah, we're, we're right there on the same page for all the games we're looking through. I was also going to say the Syracuse-Baylor game was going to be pretty fun to watch. Marquette and Murray State is that other matchup I was talking about. You got Marcus Howard for, for Marquette, who's been playing phenomenal, but you also have John Morant for Murray State, who's another one of those guys that's leading for player of the year. Mm-hmm. It's going to be nice to see these guys go head-to-head. And then, like you said, Nevada as a 7 seed taking on a 10-seeded Florida who maybe shouldn't have been in the tournament. It'll yeah. be interesting to see this Nevada team play. And... I'm just going to call it now. I have Texas Tech as that team to watch out for in this region that could possibly take it all the way. I, I do. I really do. I think um, I think Final Four in that region would probably be Texas Tech. And I really – I think Zaga will make it just because it's them and they, they seem to turn it up when it's this time of the year. But – It'd be cool to see Tech versus, like, a Murray State or, you know, Florida State or something like that. Yeah, I think that would be a pretty interesting Elite Eight matchup. I have in my bracket this one so far. I'm right there with you. I think Texas Tech makes it out of that region. But I have Gonzaga losing in the second round to Syracuse, who makes mm. it. I think Jim Beheim's going to have a little bit too much for Gonzaga to handle this time. But that Elite, elite Eight matchup I have is Marquette, Texas Tech, and then Texas yeah. Tech winning that one. Oh, so you did take Marquette out. 
I did. I brought them all the way out to the Elite Eight, mm-hmm. and then I had Texas Tech beating them for that Final yeah. Four spot. I just, for some reason, that matchup with Murray State, I really am leaning towards Murray State. I don't know why, but I am. <laughs> it's interesting, considering how Marquette and Marcus Howard have been struggling as of recent, but I think coming into the tournament, I think veteran leadership is going to show for Marquette. Yeah. But we'll see. There's plenty of games to be played here. Yeah, and, that's very true. And, that, yeah, that 5-12 matchup is nothing to joke about. There's some really good ones here. And we're going to swing it on over to the Midwest region for the final region before we give our final four picks, as we've pretty much already been doing. <laughs> but we've got North Carolina, the overall one seed for this region, um, taking on 16 seed Iona. Number eight, Utah State taking on number nine seed Washington. Five-seed Auburn taking on 12-seed New Mexico State. Four-seeded Kansas taking on Northeastern as the 13-seed. Six-seed Iowa, who won the Big 12, going to be taking on 11-seed Ohio State. Three-seed Houston taking on number 14-seed Georgia State. Seven-seeded Wofford taking on 10-seeded Seton Hall. And then two-seeded Kentucky taking on 15-seed Abilene Christian, who makes their first tournament since jumping into Division One about three years ago. Oh, that's crazy. Funny connection there. Yeah. <laughs> Shout yeah. out to Adam Dorrell. <laughs> <laughs> so are there any games in this Midwest region that kind of jump out on the page for you in the first in the first couple of games here? Yeah. Uh, Utah State and Washington for sure. Um, I think I like Washington in that matchup. And also I would say I could see Northeastern upsetting Kansas, honestly. I could. Yeah, with the way that Kansas has been playing on road games, <laughs> yeah. I don't think a neutral site helps them either. No, it doesn't. I mean, yeah. If you're not Allen Fieldhouse, then you're kind of in trouble. So um, I could see Northeastern upsetting them. Uh, I think Iowa State and Ohio State are going to be a good one. And then I also think Wofford and Seton Hall. That should be interesting. <laughs> yeah, who would have thought you'd pick a Wofford-Seton Hall yeah. game? It's to be interesting. Yeah. But this will, <laughs> this will probably be the first time Wofford's been on a national stage Everybody is going to be watching their game, so it'll be interesting to see how that team performs. I also think this 5-12 seed matchup is going to be huge. I know Auburn's been red hot. They beat Tennessee in the SEC championship. They win the SEC championship, but they're playing a tough New Mexico State team, and I've said it a lot this, this in this episode, but there are a lot of good mid-major teams that, that are playing in this tournament, and although the seedings are, for the most part, pretty spot on about where I'd put them within maybe a seat or two off aside from Old Miss and, and Oklahoma but there are a lot of these mid-major teams that deserve the shots that they're getting and that we could see some really interesting matchups coming out of the first round yeah and I think those are always the teams that do create the upsets and become the Cinderella teams and I mean, we saw it last year with Loyola Chicago um, so it, it, it's going to happen. We just, you know, that's part of the madness is we, we don't know where or by who, but I know it's going to happen. So who, who do you got in your final four? For my final four, and I, I have, for this region, I have Iowa State making it to the Sweet 16 against Kentucky, and then I also have um, North Carolina against Kansas. I don't think, uh, I think Kansas gets out narrowly against Southeastern. I think they handily win um, against New Mexico State. But what's interesting is Kansas being in the in the Midwest, if they do make it to that Sweet 16 game, that game is going to be played in Kansas City. So, it so it's essentially going to be a home game. So Allen Fieldhouse 2.0 for Kansas if they make it to the Sweet 16. That doesn't shock me at all. I think it's been like that every year. It's... Oh. I'm just going to stop before <laughs> before I get too aggravated. <laughs> but the final four I have, um, coming out of the east, I have Duke. Coming out of the south, I have Virginia. Coming out of the Midwest, I have 
um, a North Carolina-Kentucky matchup where I have Kentucky winning, and then coming out of the West, I have Texas Tech. So I actually haven't filled mine out yet, so <laughs> <laughs> looking at it now, I would take Duke in the East, Virginia mm-hmm. in South, North Carolina in the Midwest, and Texas Tech in the West. So you're keeping all three of the ACC one seeds and then skipping out on Gonzaga as the one seed. Yep, I am. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm right there with you. I think that there's a lot of great teams coming out of the ACC this year, and there's a lot of high-level players, especially or, yeah, especially at the top of this. You have Duke, you have Virginia, you have North Carolina. You see teams like Louisville get in. You see Virginia Tech get in at a four seed who's in the ACC. The ACC is no joke, especially this year. And the Big 12 has some nice competitors in there as well, but they kind of got snubbed a little bit with the seeding. I think Texas Tech deserved to be a two seed. You can maybe make an argument for K-State to move up to a three seed. There's a lot of three seeds that you see and you're kind of looking around. You're like, "Mm, I'm not sure if they're as good as they actually are. Right, yeah. Shout out AP. (laughs) And then the Big 10 as well. You got some teams like Michigan. You have Michigan State both at a two seed. You have Purdue at a three seed. Uh, Maryland a six seed. Or Wisconsin a five seed. There are some great teams in the Big 12 or in the Big 10 as well that could go back and forth. Yeah, and I think that says a lot about some of these conferences that are very competitive. But unfortunately, you know, just the way the seeding works, some, you know, like a team like Wisconsin that finishes, was it third in the conference? They're like a five seed, right? Is that right? They finished fourth in the conference, fifth seed, yeah. Four, okay, yeah. So, I mean, like, yeah, there's very competitive um, conferences and some of them, you know, did get a higher seed, but that's just what happens, I think, when you are in a competitive conference like ACC or the Big Ten or mm-hmm. SEC. So we've got less than a minute here. We did our Final Four. Who do you have in your national mm-hmm. championship, and who do you have winning it, Jenny? Okay, why don't you go first? <laughs> <laughs> so for for mine, I already went over my Final Four. I have Duke, Texas Tech in that um, one side, and then on the other side, Virginia and Kentucky. I have Virginia winning as well as Duke going on to the national championship, and I think Duke beats them a third time in a, a score I just put on there, 67-60. I think it's going to be a lower-scoring game than a lot of people think. So you have Duke beating Virginia and Duke winning it all? Yep. Okay. I'm going to say I'm going to have North Carolina winning it all. Okay. But um, who do I want them to beat? Let's see. Because um, I think you had Duke and, and Texas Tech on the on yes. the left side as well. Yeah. So okay. Hmm. Interesting. I would like to see Tech upset them. So yeah, let's go with that. Let's go with Texas Tech, North Carolina. I'm gonna have North Carolina. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> so we'll see how that plays out. That'll be it for us on day to day. You're listening to X one oh six.